It's officially October. In America, it's currently fall. Your birthday is coming up. And it's not, a not, not a, it's not it's not fall. Wait, is it's, it? It's spring for it's us. Spring. Yeah. yeah. In New Zealand it's spring, but overseas it's yeah. fall right now, right? Autumn. That's right. And it's officially the start of the spooky season. It's mm-hmm. spooktober. Not only is it spooktober, it's also October. October. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um but yeah, I've been trying to get into the spooky season a little bit this year. As you can see right now, we're recording right next to a life-sized human skeleton. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, man. I'm going all in. We're going to decorate this place a little bit. Can you hear this? That's that's a skeleton head right there. <laughs> Real human skull. Right it's next to us. dirt and maggots on it as well. <laughs> yeah, just disregard this. But yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to get into the season a little bit this year. I've been I've made myself a little bit of a challenge to try and watch one horror movie every single day in October. Oh, and it's been a little difficult so far. I made a list before we got to the month, and I was getting quite ahead of myself with like <laughs> I was like <laughs> going to be ready every single yeah, day. I'm going to be ready every single day. This movie's a little long, but I'm going to watch it anyway. You know, I'm going to have the time to do so. Mm-hmm. And this week's been so hectic that I've been trying to like squeeze in 60 minute movies here and there and just finishing it before. So have you been able o'clock. to watch all of them so far? Yeah, I've watched a movie a day for the whole month so far. It's been pretty bad. Last night I watched um, the new Hellraiser reboot. Okay, okay. And Hellraiser is a bit of a funny one because it's kind of a joke between <laughs> our family because our mum was kind of traumatised by watching it when she was younger. She went over to like a friend's house for a birthday party when she yeah. was super young. Yeah. And they popped on Hellraiser. And apparently the story goes is she just didn't look at it the whole time. She avoided her gaze from the screen because it was just some horrific stuff happening. But mum, if you're out there, we know the truth. We know you watched Hellraiser, mum. I've looked inside your closet. I've seen all of the Hellraiser merch <laughs> yeah. you've hidden away from us. So I, I've kind of like over the past couple of years, I've watched through the Hellraiser franchise just as a complete joke, just because they're all terrible. I don't really like any of them. And so I was like, ah, oh, might as well watch the new one. I've seen everything up until this point. But genuinely, I really, really enjoyed it. Ah. Watched that last night. I thought it was a really clever take on the original kind of story from the original movie as a hellraiser noob yeah what's clever about this newest one what was interesting about this one and i really loved about the originals is there's a whole lot of artifacts like otherworldly artifacts there's the lament configuration this golden puzzle box that you need to solve and then beings from another world come through to this world and so it's kind of like the Yu-Gi-Oh rubik's cube style thing yeah but instead like of ark of the covenant yeah yeah it's quite similar to the ark of the covenant as it's bad when you do open it up yeah. and demons from another world come and kind of rip your flesh apart nobody wants that <laughs> no but i just really liked how much this one like delved into the lore of this world and these artifacts and who these beings are that come from different places and times i'm a sucker for just weird weird surreal like stories and monsters and i just i liked it what have you been doing to get into October? That's where I was going with this whole thing. I was, I was wondering what if, if your October has been as spooky as mine so far. We just watched Space Amoeba, which I guess that's, is... <laughs> that's the spookiest thing I've done. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 
I've been horrendous. Jeesh, I'm sorry. I don't think I've legitimately done one spooky thing all month so far. Dude, you have to do it. What should I do? I've got my notepad out here. All right. You're going to stop dusting the cobwebs out of the corners of your room. Oh, I don't do that already. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's what I've done. <laughs> That's go. been going on for like a good <laughs> few months already. No, you should check out um, another thing that dropped recently was Werewolf by Night. Okay. I haven't seen this yet. Yeah. I'm excited to. The new Marvel special presentation on Disney+. Plus. It's called Werewolf by Night because it's about a werewolf, I yeah. presume. Well, Werewolf by Night's a Marvel character. Yeah. yeah. Well, werewolves, who cares if they're kaiju? <laughs> Up for debate. They're kaijin. They're kaijin. Yeah. Sure. But there is a kaiju in it. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Man thing. Man thing. Uh, I've never... So he's a swamp creature. Yep. A big, hulking, gross thing, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's a man, it's a man thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, and I believe his power is that anybody who fears anything... If they touch him, they die? He who knows fear burns at the man thing's touch. Ooh, that's a good kaiju power. Yeah. You should check it out, though. I had uh, low hopes of Wheel of Night with everything else Marvel's been doing recently, but between that and seeing Daredevil and She-Hulk earlier this week. Mm, good stuff, good it's stuff. It's been good. Daredevil? Daredevil. Devil? Devil. October? Spooky? Bit, yeah, whatever. I was circling back around to the spookiness, but... Yeah, Space Amoeba. This giant squid. Speaking of October and yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Let's get into it. I think as well as Podzilla, we might just also need another movie podcast so we can talk about any other movies. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, that's kind of what our Patreon, the official pods of the Patreon is doing. Yeah, guys, we have a Patreon, which you've probably heard us talk about before. But next week, we are dropping a new episode over there, Son of Kong, the sequel to King Kong. Spooky as well. Yeah, I guess it's spooky. It's Yeah, it's, it's kind of still within our warehouse. It's still kaijus, but... We, we might do a spooky November episode. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's... Spooky November. Let's maybe do that. But yeah, welcome back to Podzilla, everyone. That's Micah. Hey, I'm Micah. And look who this is right in front of me. Jaysha Drake. Hey guys, I'm Jaysha. And every bi-week, we talk about the weird and wonderful world of Godzilla and Godzilla-adjacent movies. Godzilla and friends. Godzilla and friends. Anything that might fit in this weird world of kaiju and kaijin. But yeah, this week, this episode, we watched a little movie called Space Amoeba from 1970, directed by Shiro Honda. We've been on a roll with Honda recently. Mm. Um, and this was an interesting one. I have never really knew anything about Space Amoeba. I'd always seen that there was a giant, like, bluish squid. That's all I knew about it. That's all you knew yeah. as well? Yeah. I thought that was the Space Amoeba. Yes, yeah, I was wrong. Same. That's what I thought too. But it's crazy because like the giant blue squid, is his, is his name Gizera? Gizora? Gizera, I think. Gizera. He seems to like, he pops up everywhere. Does he? I, that Godzilla mobile game I've talked about plenty of times. Oh, I, I did see him in that. Yep. Yeah. Um, you just randomly, if you look around in enough like Godzilla wikis and reddit posts and stuff you'll see this guy pop up so i was very very interested in checking out space amoeba i'm glad we did mm. but do you want to take us into it 
A mysterious space amoeba takes control of the unmanned space probe Helio-7 and crashes back down to Earth near a small South Pacific island called Sergio Island. Taro Kudo, an unsuccessful photojournalist, decides to track down the remains of the probe and joins with Ayako Hoshino, who wishes to turn the island into an exotic resort, as well as Dr. Mia, a professor whose goal is to study strange monsters said to dwell on Sergio. En route to the island, the group is also joined by Makoto Obata, a mysterious man introducing himself as a social anthropologist. Hmm. Almost as soon as the group arrives on the island, monsters start to wreak havoc. They are met with a giant squid named Gazora, then a giant crab called Ganymes, and finally a giant turtle called Camebus. Battles are fought, otherworldly life forms are discovered, weddings are performed, <laughs> and in the end, it's down to the strength of the human soul to save the world. Space Amoeba. Coming soon to theaters near you. <laughs> this movie starts with one of the maybe best opening credits of all time, mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah, it was great. Can you give the audience a little taste? Absolutely amazing, kind of like techno music fades in. Yeah, yeah. As we see a giant squid, a giant crab, and a giant turtle all scurry off to sides of the screen. Red orange lighting behind them, <laughs> credits rolling up, freeze frames freezing when every creature is yeah. like mid movement and my, my favorite thing yeah the freeze frames where the motion blur is so high that it's literally just freezing on a splodge of something <laughs> yeah. really gets you into the tone of this movie <laughs> it does i was vibing though it was it was good nah. um, but what, what's funny is it's after that scene which is amazing we start with like i swear the same starting of at least like five of the movies we've covered so far we see a rocket ship ready for takeoff. No way. A rocket flying through space. Yeah. Uh, we get some random voiceover about humankind's wish to head to space, head to the stars. The probe passing Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. Sent it's... off to seek information How from an unmanned times? vessel. How many times has this happened? Not even, like, I can count on both my hands <laughs> yeah. the amount of times it's happened in Toho movies alone. <laughs> I think this is just like a 60s, 70s, 80s trend in general. Yeah, you're probably right. But this space probe gets attacked suddenly mm. by the space amoeba. Yeah. Now, I thought the space amoeba was Gazora, the squid. Yeah. That's not the case. Uh, the space amoeba isn't even necessarily a kaiju. It's its own being, an ethereal blue form. A bit like Dagora, actually. The giant alien space squid cell type thing that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Uh, but this is more amorphous, like a blob. And it latches onto Helio 7, the vessel, and just takes it for a ride back to Earth. <laughs> yeah. Now you're right. It did give huge Degora vibes. And I kind of like, um, I just love this reoccurring kind of plot in these Toho movies. They have a couple of Kaiju versus Kaiju movies, but then they always end up coming back to, mm -hmm. oh, there's an alien coming to Earth, taking control of monsters. And it's kind of like, <laughs> this movie is just such a fun mix of some of my favorite parts of the genre and the stuff we've seen so far. We get this mm -hmm. random alien plot. We get the tropical South Seas colorful adventure that we've gotten on like Ebra and Son of Godzilla before that I really like the wackiness of all that. We get some like underwater 
water-based fight scenes, scenes yeah. a little bit of scary stuff when Gazora first attacks two guys throws them all together it's a nice mix yeah I like it it's definitely a grab bag of a lot <laughs> a lot of what we've seen so far and it's interesting coming from a Shiro Honda but we'll get into that a little later because there was a bit of behind the scenes stuff that kind of made this turn out how it's, it was it's like somebody grabbed a fistful of items from the tv tropes website <laughs> yeah chucked them all into the movie yeah you're right Nice. I kind of miss nowadays because this movie started off by literally the first being that we see is the space amoeba within like the first couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. Modern movies don't really do this nowadays. No. I was trying to think back. Uh, any monster movies? Any sci-fi movies? Majority of them, if an alien pops up or anything, it usually happens as the humans discover it as well. Yeah, you're right. They rely a lot on that mystery, that thriller factor. Whereas I love how these movies and Ishiro himself is not afraid to just be like, yep, here's a monster. This is that's what's happening. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. No, I really like that as well. There's something really like comforting about just kicking things right into gear, starting the plot just straight away as soon as you start watching. Also, the fact that it's like under an hour and a half long, a lot of these movies are just very quick. They're snappy, eh? Snappy movies that don't, you don't, even though some things might not be the most engaging, you're never really bored because mm. the plot's just moving so fast that if you're not really um, engaged in a specific scene, there's something wacky and weird that comes yeah. up straight afterwards. Uh, like we paused for dinner yeah. at the end of this movie when we had 17 minutes left, yeah. I think it was. And at that point, you don't feel like you're anywhere near the movie finishing. No. We haven't even seen, like, Comobus. Comobius yet? Is it Comobus? Comobius? Comibus. Comibus, the turtle. Yeah. We hadn't even seen him yet. And we're like, oh, we have 17 minutes left. And you're right. Like, it just wraps it up really nicely, as all these movies do. And fast. Like, mm. Ishiro... Yeah, movie, movies don't do this either nowadays. Because there's a trend of... Movies being like two and a half hours long. Ashiro's snappy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He uses his time real wisely. Yeah, this one is definitely one of the weirder ones of the bunch. Uh, as I said before, I really love the fact that it's kind of this colourful island adventure. They head to the island. We get the same thing we've seen a lot of times when they meet the natives of the island. Mm -hmm. They're all chanting, doing their songs. They're all warning them off. Um, so it had a lot of those tropes we've seen before. But it had some really, really weird stuff. And I was wondering what you thought of one part specifically. I'm trying to think of what you... <laughs> when... are talking about... One of the natives, I think his name is Rico. Yep, Rico. I remember him. He sees um, Gazora. Is this the first time they see him... Because there's a few fishermen who see him originally. Yeah, I think one it's of after them gets that. eaten. Yeah, it's a pretty cool scene when that happens. But um, Rico sees Gazora at some point, and he becomes just shocked. Mm -hmm. And for majority of the movie, he is just out of it. He's cross-eyed. He's he's running away from monsters, and he's like standing, and he can move, and he seems like he's all there, but he doesn't talk. Look, I know where you're headed with this, and I bet you that every person who watched the movie knows where you're headed as well. And right, he's just kind of away for the ride. And right when, like, monsters are attacking and destroying villages. Because what happens? No, because right before it happens, the, the heroes have all gotten a bunch of supplies, yeah. gasoline. They've lit Ganymede's, uh, the crab, on fire. Yeah. He's been destroyed. 
Yeah. Runs up behind them. Good old Rico being towed by his... His lover? Quotation marks, because nobody seems to know. She, she says he's... She says it. She says she's his lover. She also says that she wants to have a wedding that night. <laughs> and they're right in the middle of this huge monster madness, just when they've discovered there's probably aliens involved. They just all have this wedding, and she gets married to this guy who's literally he, paralyzed. He's still in shock. <laughs> and not, not even comedically, they literally state he's in shock. And everyone's okay he with it. He has PTSD whenever our hero clicks his camera because the flashlight just scares him so much. She's like, we've decided to get married tonight. And he's just cross-eyed staring off into the distance. Everyone's okay with having a wedding when there's giant monsters literally going to kill them all at any, any time. And not, e- not even that scene. You said it before, but just when a monster appears and is re- it's coming towards them, they'll be like, oh no, what do we do? Look at that. It, 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 might, be, it, might, be, it, it might be scared of fire. Fire might be able to damage it. Out of nowhere, natives <laughs> of the island, like, come out carrying gasoline for them. And they're like, oh, here's some gasoline. Oh, here's some guns. They, they use the gasoline and guns on, like, Gazora when that happens. And then later on, when they're going up against Ganymes, the crab, the exact same thing happens. Yeah. They run out of nowhere and they're like, oh, we have a Gatling gun for you. Here you go. <laughs> Rifles. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the movie explicitly stated it, but I did <laughs> uh, read the little instruction manual backstory inside True. the dvd booklet it said that they were the deus ex machina clan yeah that that's a joke but <laughs> i'm sorry guys <laughs> no they, this is literally deus ex machina incarnate. <laughs> imagine if they actually went out i wouldn't put a past them to call them that apparently i was doing some it, feel, it feels like a monty python sketch yeah it does and apparently i was doing some reading as well gazora literally just means like squid legs um Ganymedes. Ganymedes just means like hard shell or crab or something and same oh, with, okay they, they're all just all the monsters names are really literal like boring names actually i can get into this a bit because i did a little bit of research did you so officially three kaiju in this movie yeah i think what happened is the space amoeba goes into it, it comes and it merges its cells mm. with natural animals living on the island yeah so gazora yeah is just a normal cuttlefish squid which is interesting because all of the natives talked about him like he's always been there yeah they're already worshiping him and they're already scared of him you've got a notebook what is this yeah um i've gotten serious about space amoebas like inspired you (laughs) this much uh not too much about gazora but you mentioned ganymes yeah, the giant I still crab. don't know how to say his it's, name. It's such an awkward name. Ganymes? Gan- it's like anime, but Ganymes? Yeah, so it's based off the Japanese words kani, which means crab. Yeah. Kani, gani, maybe it's ganames, as well as mei, which seems like such a weird little suffix to have. Yeah. But get ready to go down this rabbit hole. Okay. So kani mei what the Japanese word is kind of inspired Ganymes by, is inspired by the name of the manga character Nyarame. You familiar with Nyarame? Not, not at all, but those names don't even sound The similar. cat human. Wait, what? <laughs> so you're telling me a uh, giant 
crab in a Toho movie is inspired by a cat human? Kaname, Ganame, Nyarame. They sound similar, right? <laughs> Who shows up in the manga Extraordinary Ataro. Which you've read countless volumes of. No, I haven't. Wait, Ataro. You don't know that. You haven't heard of that. What you have heard is Osumatsukun, which Nyarome ends up guest starring in multiple times. Osumatsukun? I'm going to give you one word and you'll know what Osumatsukun is. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. She. Wait, he's not the character who does the, the she pose that they stole from in Invasion of Astro Monster. It's all linked together, man. <laughs> this Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're expecting me to, to believe the base, this crab's name, off a, a cat character. It doesn't even sound like it. No. Where did you read this? Uh, is this my, you... my multiple sources. <laughs> okay, your little, your little birds you've got out there in the Godzilla fandom. Yeah, Gojipedia go said it. <laughs> and you know what they say... Trust Gojipedia if you trust nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Most trusted source on Kaiju yeah. Gumpty, Gojipedia. Uh, and while we're on the <laughs> oh topic, Kamiba. I didn't realize this as well, but it's based off the Japanese word for turtle, Kame, as oh, well yeah. as Amoeba. Oh, kami- Kamibus. Kamiba. I was doing a little bit of research as well. And uh, Ganame and Kamiba mm-hmm. were the crab and turtle's names. But when they were getting talked about in English publications, mm-hmm. the Americans added on an S to the end of their names. So forevermore, they've just been known as Ganames and Camobius. Ka- ka- I can't even say it, dude. Kamiba. Camibus. Ganames oh, and Camibus. So they've been kind of stuffed over by the American localizers promotional team. Yeah. So that's what they've been known as. But <laughs> they're weird. This whole movie is... Just- such a strange trip. What did you think of Kenji Sahara's character? So he played Makato Obata. He played Obata, the self-proclaimed social spy. Oh. So he's like one of the main four of this movie. Yeah, yeah. The Quadrio? Yeah, I'm going to call it that. Quadrio, I like it. He is working for a competing resort to the resort that is looking to make a tourist spot on the island. And I guess he just kind of like sneaks his way into this expedition to try and steal plans and information on the resort they're Mm. trying to make on the island. He's like the mysterious antagonist. Yeah. He's acting as a good guy. He's... He's all right. Um, He wears a full white (laughs) suit and a hat. This whole movie where they're tracing through a random jungle on an island in the South Seas. I swear, anytime there's a movie that has a jungle or an island, there's always one character just wearing a full suit. He he tumbles down so many hills in this and his (laughs) suit's just spotless every time. Doesn't Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a dude who wears a suit the whole time in that, isn't Uh, there? Balok, yeah, you're right. Balok? I think Balok wears a suit. Or Salah wears a suit. Oh, no, you're right. Um, the guy who gets the sign seared into his hand. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what his name is. Put Chuck another TV trope in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked his range in this because mm. first off, he's acting, one, as just a dude who's kind of sketchy but tries to impress the others and act like he's going along with them. Yeah. Two, he acts as 
the evil guy who shows his card. Oh, not really evil, but the guy who's showing his cards. Yeah, I work for the enemy. Okay, you found me. Yeah. He gets a little bit more serious after that. Three, he acts as a paralyzed dude. Yeah, and this part I really loved because the space amoeba's got control of them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like talking to everyone telepathically through his body. And the whole time he's possessed, he's just like, he has these ticks. He's moving his eyebrow or his eyes like in real specific yep. moments. And he's really, really committing to it. There's like a good minute or two scene where he gets taken over by the space amoeba. Yeah. Falls on the ground, is laying there. And all we see is this constantly zooming in shot <laughs> yeah. of his face. And his eyebrows just like twitching. <laughs> uh, and, and again, when he comes to the rest of the group and starts telepathically communicating with them. Yeah. As the space amoeba. And then four is just when the space amoeba has fully taken over. And he's just acting as a real stiff robotic person, almost. Yeah. And then five is when the space amoeba's in control of him, but his real soul yeah. is trying to fight the space he's amoeba. He's fighting back. And he's kind of playing the space amoeba and himself as they're fighting to gain control. The range. Kenji Sahara. He's Kenji. come a long way since Rodan. I, I, I've literally, I think he's my favorite actor um, that we've had in this franchise. He just plays really quirky characters every time yeah sometimes he's the hero sometimes he's the side character sometimes like this he's kind of the antagonist the villain yeah i really like him he's cool uh, as well as we have a few other main characters so we have Tarakudo. he's kind of our leading man protagonist a photographer who sees helio 7 falling from the sky yeah and he kind of initiates the adventure goes to the island because he believes something with the spaceship happened there uh he's fun what do you think of him yeah, I thought it was cool. He's not your kind of generic hero. He's this unsuccessful photographer that kind of no one takes seriously when we see him at his work at the beginning. Um, and he's real, like, kind of shabby looking. His facial hairs, he looks like really un- unkempt. Um, he's, he's not your typical hero risking himself for everyone. He's kind of just there along for the ride. He's just another dude. Yeah, and jumping at the chance to kind of make a buck. He's always talking about, oh, this is going to get me a lot of money if mm. I take this photo. And it's so funny the scenes when he, he'll be shooting. <laughs> yeah, he grabs one of the guns instantly. He grabs a gun, goes up against Ganymede, uh, the giant crab, shoots one of his eyes. It like pops and looks amazing. Yeah. And Ganymede's eye gets popped and liquid comes out. I looked up on the Wikipedia. One of Ganymede's weaknesses is officially labeled... Rifles to the eyes. Rifles to the eyes is a weakness. Um, but he like pops his eye, pops his other eye, does like a quick roll, picks up his camera, takes a shot, takes oh, another shot. Man, <laughs> hot off the press of those pictures. What a photographer. Uh, also one of the first scenes we see him in, he's got a great outfit. Yeah. One of those, if you want, if you love this movie, you'd recognize it, but it's a really stupid outfit, but it's so iconic. Oh, it's when he has, like, the hat. It's when he has, like, the white rolled-up hat. Yeah. Uh, so he has, like, a, a jacket and a vest on or something. I want to go to a convention dressed up as him. Another classic, like, <laughs> cosplay for a convention would be to go as the gang that goes to Sergio Arlen. Yeah. You go as him. One person dressed up in a suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have our two other characters who you can also dress up as. Dr. Kyoichi Mida, played by Yoshio Tsuchiya. Uh, he's your classic doctor. He wants to study the, 
the natural life on the island somehow understands everything about these beings from space. He's the smartest dude here. Yeah. He's constantly saying like, I figured out what happened. These alien beings are insanely intelligent. And like, it has not been established that alien beings are a thing at this point. (laughs) Man. And then finally after that, Ayako Hoshino, uh, played by Atsuko Takahashi. I guess she, I'm not too sure what she was. She was kind of the rep for the resort. She was like all around good character. She was the enthusiastic character. Enthusiastic, scared for people when they were in danger, super happy when they were doing all right. Yeah. Um, Didn't really have any great moments. No. A lot of charisma, but. Yeah. She was a great actress. She was a great actress. And you're right. A lot of charisma. She was really great screen present, but added nothing much to the story. Should we talk about a little bit about the monsters? Yes. This is the big Please. thing. First one is Gizora. Or Gizora. I'm going to butcher all these names. Yeah, I feel like already, everybody does. These are, these are weird. Um, but Gizora is just this giant blue cuttlefish. But the way that they've done him in this movie is really, really creative because he's more often than not out of the water, walking around. It's really smartly done. Yeah. Because squids and octopuses aren't new to the Godzilla franchise at all. Nah. We've seen... Giant octopus quite a few times. Yeah, as first off a live creature, a live octopus. We have seen some tentacles in later movies. Yeah. Uh, We have seen one costume thing at one point in Frankenstein Conquers the World. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if that was a costume or just another puppet. Uh, But it didn't look that great. No, no. But this is full but blown, yeah. full blown yeah. kaiju suit. Haruo Nakajima, who usually plays Godzilla, mm-hmm. was in the Gazora suit for this one, and his feet are disguised as two of the tentacles of Gazora as Gazora is walking around on his tentacles. It's good though because they're kind of obscured by yeah. a lot of other tentacles. It's actually really creative, and so I it's love hard the way. to see. It doesn't look like. Yeah. Feet at all? Yeah, I love the way it looks. It's great. Gazora in general is really goofy too. He's got two huge, like, yellow and red eyes. Blinking eyes. <laughs> and apparently uh, the eyeballs were supposed to blink, were supposed to move, but the mechanism uh, to make them do so broke during filming. And then <laughs> they never um, went ahead and repaired them. They didn't want to pay. The Toho did not want to pay to get these things repaired. They did not want to spend the time to get the eyes repaired. And shooting wasn't stopped. Imagine you're halfway through filming at breaks. (laughs) What are you going to do? You'd have to get everybody on on another day to start filming again. Nah, smart decision. And we have a few fights with him. First with the fisherman, uh, where he really just grabs him and takes him into the ocean. Yeah. One underwater fight. Yeah. With the professor and the photographer where they're saved by dolphins. That's right. Yeah. Or porpoises? Porpoises. Yeah. Are porpoises dolphins? Uh, hesitant, no. Okay. I don't believe so. That's where uh, the characters start to guess that maybe... Well, they believe it's this monster, but every monster controlled by the space amoeba is disrupted by echolocation. Yeah, bats. Or really high decibel noises. Bats and porpoises save the day in yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then there's one more fight scene with him where he comes on to land... Starts destroying the tribe's town. Yeah. That Abel made. The leader of the clan kind of starts worshipping and praying to this giant kaiju standing right in front of him. Awesome scene, yeah. When he's praying, there's this huge blazing fire and like big totem poles between him and Gizora. 
And Gazora's kind of just looking down at him. Framed really well, he stops in his tracks for like a few seconds. Someone draw that. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was awesome. That's my Octoherba art right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I think there might have even been a few more scenes because there's another scene when he attacks a shack early on, um, one of the surviving fishermen's. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, there's another scene when we don't see him, but he's bubbling up in a cavern and splashes them. Yeah, and then the big scene where the group ends up pouring gasoline all over the land, lighting it on fire while he's standing in the middle. Uh, and then because of that, we see a variation of the suit where it's all scarred and boiled over. Yeah. I love that. If you ever made a kaiju fighting game, this would be like a great <laughs> alternate skin to have. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it's funny because Gazora is the kaiju who's probably more prominently in this movie. Majority yes. of the film's runtime spent on him, but he never even meets Ganymedes and Kimobas. I disagree. Kimobis? This is an awesome opening fighting secret. <laughs> when they all like, yeah, they all come from the same with spot. The freeze, the, middle, the freeze frame. No, but yeah, they never interact with, or this one never interacts with the other two. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, Gazora only makes one more brief cameo in Godzilla Final Wars, I think, with stock footage. Um, ah. Yeah. Oh. But he returns properly in Godzilla. Look forward to that. The Heck YouTube yeah. puppet show. Um, but strangely enough, he, yeah, he's prominently uh, just continued to appear in different forms of kaiju media. A lot of video games especially all the ones for the Nintendo Entertainment System. He's like a real common boss that you'd fight in the Godzilla games. Uh, he's in a lot of the comics, more notably the Rulers of Earth comic run. When I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, one of the water monsters. Um, and he's also in novels. Like, I think those Godzilla novels... We've talked about them before. Yeah, in Latitude Zero, where the Griffin makes an appearance. Gazora makes an appearance as well. It'll be interesting. I, I really want to get my hands on some of the comic runs because I think mm. those would be really fun. It'd be a nice memorability to have. I haven't seen Final Wars. Yeah. But it seems like so many of these movies are connected just because of Final Wars because of stock footage. Yeah. Well, it's either Final Wars that connects most things or as we've seen, Godzy Ban. I swear, <laughs> yeah. Godzy Ban has like every single kaiju from any of these movies we've watched so far we're gonna watch it guys don't worry <laughs> cannot wait to sit through like 100 Dude. plus hours of this kid's okay no show. you're hearing it right now we're this is gonna happen we're officially creating a a sister podcast what podsy ban oh no every godsy ban episode yeah. episode by episode we've shown it down for like 20 minutes in ep Record like three at a time. <laughs> Churn them out. <laughs> I hope you're not serious right now. I hope you're not serious. Ganymedes. Giant crab. He was pretty cool. Yeah, he... I always... I, you showed me the poster for this movie hmm. in the past when I didn't know what it was. I, I legitimately thought that this was another appearance of Ebira. Interesting you thought that. Not the case. Yeah, but interesting you thought that because the suit for Ganymes was modelled by one Nobuyuki Yasumaru and he was the protege of Toho's chief modeller, Tezio Toshimitsu. Oh, so he's like the apprentice become master. Yeah. But Ibiru is still way better. Well, Yasumaru took inspiration from Ibra, who his mentor had created four mm -hmm, years mm -hmm. earlier. And in his own words, he said... 
I made Ganames with reference to Mr. Toshimitsu's Ebra because I thought I could make him even better. Oh, no way. So Ganames is the new and improved no. Ebra. Where's his differently sized claws? Dude, Ganames has like one claw that's kind of shorter than the other one. No, he doesn't. Kind of a little bit. Ganames has like five times the hair that Ibra has. <laughs> He's very hairy. Fur. Because how, how would you describe Ganames as different from Ibra? He's definitely more crab-like, whereas Ibra is definitely more lobster-like. Ganymede's face is a lot more pronounced. You can see his eyes and his mouth moving. The eyes are super prominent. A lot That's more legs. A lot more legs. Yeah. Uh, the eyes are the first thing I noticed when I saw them. They're really... Because what are they? They're like glossy black, uh, but underneath there's like a light shining with a mottled orange colour. I don't know how they did it, but the eyes here look so... I want to say lifelike. Mm. They, they look... They just look really cool. That's all I can say. They look really cool. What did Ibra's eyes look lifelike? I think Ibra just had like red stalks. So you're officially saying Ganymede Has better eyes. Okay. Ibra is still way better. <laughs> now, now Ibra is a kaiju I can play volleyball, volleyball with. <laughs> you're right you're right we didn't see any sports related mischief no. from ganames oh we saw some wrestling oh you're right we do see wrestling later on with him um but ganames is the only one of these three space amoeba monsters to not actually appear in any godzilla films or tv series does he appear in any of the other kaiju none not like go godzi nah Go Godzi Man. Go, go Godzi Man. <laughs> go God Man or go Green Man or anything. Nothing. He he doesn't appear in anything except for a few video games and a few uh, books. Yeah, I, I've written down here. He shows up in one of the Godzilla Rules of Earth comics. Oh yes, yeah. As a cave painting. Oh, so he's not even properly in that. I think he was gonna be a proper monster, but the comic company forgot to acquire the rights to him, so they're just like, ah. Kind of nondescript cave painting. There we go. <laughs> kind of looks like a crab. Yeah. Ganymede's the forgotten kaiju. He'll make a comeback. Yeah. My prediction for one of the upcoming Godzilla movies. Oh, okay. These go. three will be back. Whoa. Yeah. It's quite cool because all three of them are water-based. Are they? Squid. Squid. Kind of turtle. turtle. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be quite interesting to see like Godzilla just go up against... Like Chuck Eber in there too, too. Chuck like all the Manda in there. Just him going up against all these water monsters. Have like a a Kill Bill style <laughs> Godzilla fighting all of the champions of the sea. Has to head up through like a big tower. Each level is another filled <laughs> yeah. with water with another monster. Um, but yeah, the last monster we have here. Come on, you got it. Camobus. No. Camibus. Yeah. Is it? So I guess it's both Camiba and Camibus. Camibus. Because one's English yeah. localized. Kamiba, Kamibus. Um, giant turtle with a spiky back. First yeah. turtle we have covered on the show. I uh, love it. Coming out after the Gamera series. Now, I, I think it was only a little bit ago that I realized Gamera was a turtle. Yeah. So this was made after. Yeah. Is it inspired by Gamera at all? I don't think they look super sim similar. I think um, Kamobus looks quite unique i mean he definitely has his extending neck thing he does which oh, this is... i don't believe gamera can do 
extended using compressed air cylinders. Yeah, and it's great. And I read that um, the suit actor Hiroyoshi Nakamura was he was in the suit and he would repeatedly get startled every single time the head would extend. It was because like that would be remote controlled. Remote controlled, and apparently the sound of the air cylinders just like suddenly starting up um, would give him a huge shock. That's like one of the only things he remembers from filming this movie. He just has PTSD from the the air cylinders. I'm thinking Suitmation Trials creator <laughs> Kamiba is prime material <laughs> for you to write a creepypasta about. Yeah, well, apparently the suit was actually really hard to get into as well. There was a small slit on the suit's on the belly because they swapped into. They swapped from the back yeah. to the front, which looks a lot better. Yeah, but. Yeah, definitely it seems like kind of a death trap of a suit to get into. Yeah. Even Ganames, um, Haru Nakajima, who did Gizora as well as Ganames, he was a suit actor for both, said that it was so stiff inside he couldn't act or see well at all and he cannot remember much about <laughs> only, about the filming. He could only really click the claws. Just passed out. <laughs> so the suits in this seem like crazy. Um, but yeah, Kamobis... Kamibus, Kamiba, yeah, Kamibus. is pretty much our direct link from this movie to Godzilla. Kamibus makes an appearance in an episode of Go Godman, as well as Godzilla Tokyo SOS. Okay, first off, Go Godman, does yeah. he appear as Kamibus? Yep, as Kamibus, as an enemy that goes up against Go Godman. Nice, and Godzilla Tokyo SOS. Is that a movie? Yep, it's a movie in the Millennium series. Okay, okay. Um, that Kamibus uh, returns in. And I believe that um, in Godzilla Tokyo SOS, um, there's mention of the whole plot from Space Amoeba as being canon oh. or actually happening in that movie's timeline. Okay. So that's going to be interesting when we get to it. Um, I, I think I saw something because I looked at his Gojipedia profile. Yeah. And for the Millennium... I th- believe it was a min- millennium photo. It was just him washed up on a beach. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's all that he's in it for or what. I don't want to see just him dead, as a carcass. Dead Kamibas. I want to see some fighting action. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen many images of him fighting Godzilla, so... Oh, well. <laughs> we'll see what we get. But yeah, he's also in video games, books, the usual. Classic. It's pretty cool that Toho does bring pretty much every kaiju back even in if some it is form. in different forms of media yeah i really want to i've still got a godzilla novel that I've, I've got on my shelf that i need to read we'll get you to do a review on it yeah I'll, i will do it what do you think of these three kaijus i want to say three but technically two because gazora dies in the first act yeah but ganime and kamibus have a great fight near the end <laughs> yeah there's a point in that fight where um because what happens they're controlled by the space amoeba yeah and then bats and then kenji releases the bats yeah while he's being controlled by the space amoeba and he's fighting it and the bats suddenly flock to these kaiju somehow (laughs) and disrupt the space amoeba's control over them which turns them into just ginormous feral monsters yeah leading to our dad was here for this fight scene. <laughs> Our seen to one of the one of the wildest fight scenes I've seen. <laughs> it's it's a funny fight scene because they start off doing like battling against each other, and there's this pretty cool uh, move that Kamobius does. Kamibus, <laughs> you're saying it like Polybius? <laughs> I know. This is a pretty cool move that Kamibus does when he extends his neck and kind of hits 
Ganymede's up on top of him over onto his shell where Ganymede's like gets hurt from the spikes and then falls off. And there's a little bit of like cool stuff with that, but then it soon devolves into them just like falling over each other <laughs> down the hills, getting hit by random steam vents from the volcano they're fighting yeah. on. Like and half of their fighting is really just them getting pummeled by <laughs> the surroundings. Envi- environmental. They end up pretty much just like killing themselves i'm pretty sure Kamibus just like kind of rolls off into a volcano tries yeah. to grab onto Gan- ganimes yeah what was it Kamibus extends his neck grabs onto him ganimes like flips him over into the opening of a vol- volcano so he's just dangling off <laughs> and then Kamibus lets go yeah. but then ganimes still falls in <laughs> ganimes just randomly like topples over after him so who would you say won that battle <laughs> human souls <laughs> the soul yeah the collective human soul i like it one the battle <laughs> well who was your favorite out of the three i think mine was gazora 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 squid man it's the giant squid because he just looks so i love the way his eyes and his tentacles look i like him he's definitely the most recognizable of the yeah. group and a good face to be recurring throughout the godzilla franchise later on yeah i really liked Kamiba, for some reason. Nice. Uh, like, a giant turtle doesn't really fight too well. Doesn't have too much prowess, yeah. power. Yeah. He's got an extendable neck. But, I don't know, there's, there's something... Because we haven't had a turtle kaiju before. I just love how unique he is when fighting. Yeah. He's got a giant shell. He can take these attacks. We need to get into Chimera. Yeah, to, I think need... I think I'm gonna love Gamera. Yeah, I think Gamera is in more than one movie, and he doesn't die in the next one. So. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I will briefly just talk about the space amoeba. I mean, you said it before that they kind of, I mean, as the name says, they're kind of this amoeba-like life form that latches on yeah. and combines cells with other beings. Um, but they don't make any appearance. I think they're only briefly mentioned in a single comic later down the track huh. but like a lot of these different godzilla aliens they're just one and done it has a name doesn't it uh yeah i think they refer to themselves as something at one point but then there was some weird names i mean there's the porpoises i'd still I'd, i've never heard of the word porpoise or i've always thought it's kind yeah. of like a platypus seal type Okay. I don't know what I thought of porpoise So you're saying was. the weirdest name in this movie is a porpoise. No, no. I was, say, I was saying that at one point, Camobus, Camibus. I was saying at one point, Camibus, the giant turtle, is referred to as like a bat or a stegosaur bat or something. Yeah. There's just some weird... And then a lizard. And then, yeah, there's some... They just refer to things really weirdly. So I don't really pay much attention to what the space amoeba was called because it was just all gibberish to me. Should we get into some trivia? Let's do it. The big, huge bit of trivia about this movie, and it's, yeah, pretty, pretty um, interesting one, is that this is the first kaiju film that Toho produced after the death of their special effects director, E.G. Tsuburiya. Yes, yes. And Ashiro Honda, who directed this, really wanted to start this film with a dedication to Tusuburia, mm-hmm. EG. Um, but Toho just flat out refused to do so. They didn't want to 
put his name onto it because he didn't really have anything to do with the film's production. Oh, and they come didn't, on, Toho. They, yeah, they didn't really see any need to. Um, so, Ashira was, I think, rightfully so, really disappointed by Toho. And so was the special effects director, Saramasa Irikawa, who took over from E.G. Tsuburi and did the special effects for this movie. Mm-hmm. He was disappointed they weren't going to honour E.G. Um, so... Sadamasa Arikawa, the special effects director for this, vowed never to work for Toho ever again. Ooh. And Honda, likewise, after this film, because of this mishandling with Toho and them not wanting to honor his friend, decided to retire from filmmaking after Wait, this. So this is his last film? Yeah. So this is his no last way. film until 1975, where he returns to direct one more Godzilla movie, Terror of Mecha Godzilla. And that's five years down the road. Five years down the road. But this movie marks not only like a Shiro leaving from these movies. It also marks a time when Toho did away with contracts altogether. Like for previous movies, they'll have actors on for a certain amount of movies. And yeah. actors that were on a Toho contract and had to come back. You could have Kenji Sahara yeah. on. That's yeah. why he's in so many of these. That's why specific directors came back. But this was the last movie to be made under their specific studio system. And because Toho was facing declining profits, they took several steps to reduce the power of unions and established a subsidy called Toho Aizo, which would specialize in uh, kaiju films. And they released all their actors from their contracts. Uh, They completely dissolved Eiji Tsuburiya's special effects department and just made a whole lot of changes. Weird. Changed the way that they made movies. And it's... I think from this point forward, we're just going to see, yeah, Shiro Honda, original visionary for the Godzilla film, has gone. A lot of the special effects directors that worked under EG are all gone. A lot of the actors and actresses will change. We won't see a lot of the same popping back into these. It's just really interesting. Well, at at this point, Toho really has no idea how many Godzilla films they're going to create. Yeah, that's it, eh? And with Shiro leaving... They probably thought that as the end of, potentially as the end of Godzilla. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But that's a huge shakeup to the whole system with no real clear vision of where the future's going to go. Yeah. And apparently I was doing some reading about this movie specifically, Space Amoeba, and it was burdened by constant pressure from Toho to constantly be minimizing the budget, be filming things faster, be um, finished with the project a lot faster than they initially intended to. And everyone was just rushed through filming. Uh, Honda originally wanted to make this a lot grander and wanted to film on location a lot more, but he wasn't able to because of how Toho handled it. Uh, The film was apparently shot in the middle of winter while while everyone was dressed for a tropical location that no one was happy about. And there's a whole lot of just random stories about this movie. Apparently the producer had to personally be transporting the film negatives back and forth to Toho on a prop plane oh. while they were filming this movie because they constantly wanted updates on how Space Amoeba's going. Apparently, uh, Fumio Tanaka, who was moving the negatives back and forth, was a co-producer and was supposed to be heavily involved with the filming, but actually had to take a step back and leave a lot of the producing to Honda. Honda had to do a lot of the producer's work for this because Fumio Tanaka was busy with a Toho expo that they had going on. This whole filming of this movie just, this just is weird. Apparently, was just a huge mess, 
and it ended and there was a lot of changes within Toho after this. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Sounds like it, yeah. Well, with all that, let's get into what we thought. Dude, what did you think of Space Amoeba as a whole? <laughs> um, it's really goofy. The plot is a bit all over the place. Random stuff happened. I still can't get over that wedding. It just happens in the middle of nowhere. Um, to be honest, though, I can, I, can, I can totally see why this does this wouldn't work for a lot of people. But I personally quite enjoyed it. Um, it was always quite engaging i really enjoyed the kaiju even if their fights were a bit lackluster <laughs> um but even just the way it was shot there were a lot of scenes that actually looked really beautiful whether it be sunset on the island and the whole um shot is just like bleached with this red orange glow um and it actually looks really really great and there were moments of creativity that i really dug from this uh, even though majority of everything going on was quite chaotic, there were these moments of genius. Ooh. And, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the cast of characters. A um, few of them were unnecessary. But all in all, I really liked this just being just a random, wacky, campy, sci-fi island adventure. Uh, so I'd probably give Space Amoeba 3.5. Oh, out of five convenient gasoline cans. <laughs> there were so many convenient gasoline cans. <laughs> what would? What did you think? I'm interested. I mean, this is a movie you you started writing in a notebook for. <laughs> yeah, I brought up a notebook for this. <laughs> uh, okay, here are my thoughts. So I feel at this point, watching a few of Toho's movies mm. and coming along this journey. This movie is so full of tropes and themes that we have seen before in the past. Definitely sticks to the formula. Yeah. It feels very formulaic. Uh, you have going to a island inhabited by natives where there's some kind of god creature that they worship that starts to attack them. There's your mix of sci-fi aliens starting to control the people and the monsters, which we have also seen before. To me, it feels like they're just rehashing it a bit. Mm. And I don't know whether that's just Toho at the time, like you said, trying to stick to formula, churn out another movie. So I do feel like this movie is very samey, especially compared to what we've seen in the past. If you saw it on its own, it might be a little different. And while I don't think that there is too much creativity in the movie i think that the people who took part in the making of this movie did a lot with what they had yeah uh like the script and the characters there isn't much there but even so the actors give a really compelling performance mm. you know we've seen natives and tribes before however here there are some really cool scenes done by the cinematographers like that one where you see gazora just towering over the leader of this tribe praying that he doesn't harm them a few underwater scenes there's one in here where gazora is like attacking these hum these two humans underwater where they're trying to struggle and have a fight with them which we haven't really seen before mm. we've seen kaiju fights before and while a few of these kaiju are similar to what we've seen in the past 
they do do some new stuff with it. They have a new turtle kaiju. They have fights against the humans where stuff like gasoline and rifles actually do take part in harming and defeating the creature. Mm. Like, I do love parts of this movie, but I do feel like Toho needs to spice things up a little bit going forward. And who knows? I haven't seen a lot of the other Toho movies, especially ones that Ishiro has directed. They could be the same. I'm going to give this one two convenient bottles of gasoline. True. Yeah. No, I, I completely get you. I don't know whether or not it's just like I've really warmed up to a lot of these uh, tropes or <laughs> elements in the Toho formula. Like, even at the end of this movie when the Doctor was talking about the strength of the human soul. I was like really feeling it. I was like, man, this is a really good message. And I do appreciate those scenes. Like, <laughs> I, I I do love what they did with parts of this. Camebus, I love Camebus yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like it's getting to the point where it feels a bit... Wrong's not quite the word, but I'm going to use it wrong for Toho to just keep making movies like this when they can start to spice things up and mix up the formula yeah and it seems like they're not doing that for some reason mm. and i really want to see them push past that little barrier well i mean ashiro honda's gone now only returning once more so we are going to see more directors i don't want um, to say this maybe ashiro was holding them back <laughs> i i mean <laughs> let's be honest a lot of ashiro's movies are the ones that follow that same formula yeah and although he does try and put different themes and messages throughout they are the ones that feel very similar. Whereas when we get like the director Jun Fukuda, who did Ibra and Son of Godzilla, they feel distinctly different. Yeah. So I am looking forward to some different yeah, filmmakers' yeah, yeah. takes on this. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward. We do have some messages from you guys about what you thought of the movie. So let's get into those. David emailed us and he said... I had not seen this movie until watching it for the Podzilla review, and my brain honestly feels numb now after having done so. It takes a lot for me to think a kaiju film is bad, but somehow this one pulled it off. Ooh. Part of the problem is that this film is incredibly cheap, with substandard special effects even by the standards of the era, and with very bad writing and acting. Other kaiju films have had these problems, but not to this extent. But that would all be okay if the film didn't take itself so seriously. If this ridiculous movie could at least laugh at itself, there'd be something worth watching it again for. As it is, it's a pretty forgettable one and done. I had hoped I could at least enjoy the monster scenes, and they really go out of their way to build up the monsters as scary. Gazora looks so ridiculous that it kills any chance of that being <laughs> the case. Ganymede's is not much better. The one kaiju I enjoyed here was Kamiba. Yeah. But his fight with Ganymede was just a bunch of clumsy flopping around. It was pretty lackluster, eh? Yeah. David says, In the end, I can say I'm glad I've seen this movie for the sake of seeing all the old Toho monster movies, but I honestly don't have any desire to see it again after this. Maybe that feeling will change with a bit of time, but I wouldn't bet on it. And interestingly enough, after a bit of time, a couple days later, David sent a follow-up email. Oh, an epilogue. Yeah, and David says... I really sat with this one a while after my first comments and tried to figure out what seemed to go wrong with this movie. It has a lot of great actors and many of the original Toho Kaiju movie team working on it, but it's really far from their best work and by a long way. 
The only thing I can figure is that everyone who was working on this at the time was tired. This was the end of an era for long-time Toho actors and movie makers. The studio system they had been contracted through was being busted up in response to the bad economic times. Tsuburiya had died and Toho execs had unbelievably refused to dedicate this film to him in his memory. And I have to imagine that everyone working on it had to be totally exhausted and done. And that is why this movie doesn't seem to have gotten the care and attention to detail that past movies had. Mm. That was David's thoughts. Those thoughts really echo with me. Yeah. I, I mean, it does add a lot to it when you do realize what they must have been dealing with at the time. And especially hearing with the rush production. It's kind of impressive that it did come up the way it did yeah. and not much worse. Because um, I think I did... I didn't really realize this, but most of the people working on this movie would have known that it's probably nearing the end of their time. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably knew that we can't keep doing this forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah, interesting. Another review from Kev. He says, the opening credits of this movie could be its own five-star feature. <laughs> as for the rest, it opens strong, but as we've learned on this journey, it can be hard to sustain even 80-ish minutes of a human story when the kaiju look this amazing. Come on. That said, though, props to the team for trying with that hotel storyline, even if the rest is painfully familiar. Shout out to the guy who kept his entire suit with Fedora on the entire trip to the island. Love the amazing creature trio. Let's see Manila stand up to Camebus. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, he's completely right about the dude who, who was there with the Fedora in the suit the whole time. I couldn't believe it. We also have a couple of voicemails. If you want to send us in something, you can email us at podzillapod at gmail.com with an attachment or just click the link in the show notes. But here's a message from Brucker. What's up, Jay Sher and Micah? This is Brucker. And my question for you two regarding Space Amoeba is that if this movie were to be remade today, who would you pick as the director for it? Someone, who is it that you would trust to capture the original feel and like true sort of um, message and intent and tone of the uh, of this movie here from the 70s? Interested to hear your thoughts. And also, I've been really enjoying the Patreon. You guys keep up the good work. Bye. Oh, man. Thanks, Brucker. Appreciate that, dude. Uh, what a question. I like this a lot. I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you have anyone that pops off the top of your head for a space amoeba remake i actually do yeah i wonder if it's the same person same people oh okay no you know who i'd hit up for this what i'd hit up the duffer brothers true they duffer brothers who did stranger things stranger things true i feel like i don't know if you'd keep the same four trio but I think you could have a real cool storyline that they could pull off well, having first off the space amoeba disguised as a human person. Uh, maybe not even let the audience know who it is at first, have it become a real mystery. Hmm. But seeing what they've done and how well they've woven the story of the humans and the monsters, whether that be the demagogue and the demodogs, so many things we've seen in the past. Yeah. I think they're gearing up for like, no, they have done kaiju before. Yeah, we had the Mind Flayer, With right? the huge Mind Flayer. They could handle three separate giant kaiju <laughs> entities and really weave a great story. I like it. I, I really like it. Wow, yeah, that's a good idea. My, my answer wasn't as thought out as yours, but I just, I just thought of someone like Wes Anderson. Oh, Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson. He did... did... <laughs> 
he's done um moonrise kingdom fantastic mr fox um, more recently the french dispatch what was the hotel you know the hotel the grand budapest the grand budapest hotel yeah but i'm thinking more specifically like um i don't know if you've seen the aquatic life with steve scissor i have not i really love um the aquatic life that west did and it's got a lot of these same like island adventure colorful feel and I'd really just like to see how creatively he'd take on kind of a kaiju. <laughs> I don't know, but I think he'd he'd do the human stuff and the island stuff really, really well and in a really funny way. It'd give it think. a little bit of character, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd really love to see him take on a film like this. I can already see that shot where the leader of the tribe is looking up at Gazora. Yeah. But have that done by Wes Anderson. <laughs> just some like real quirky music while they're both looking yeah. at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. dig that. That would make this movie unique enough to be really <laughs> different from anything else. Oh man! Thanks for the question, Bracker. And yeah, I mean, thanks for shouting out the Patreon. We do, as we said before, have Son of Kong out next week. If you want to listen to that, sadly not directed by Wes Anderson. No, sadly, we'll see how that one goes. And we've got one more voicemail here from Waffles. Sup, lads? Waffles back with another kaiju review. So, <laughs> space amoeba. That that was a movie you you made me watch, uh, and for the most part, I had fun with it. I, it's not a bad use of one's time. I will say off the bat, monsters were cool. I did I did like them. Uh, that was they were fun when they were on screen, and when they weren't on screen, I I was having a very classic problem of uh, when are the monsters going to come back on screen. <laughs> And I guess this does finally answer the question of what would happen if you put Batman in a kaiju film. Uh, because apparently bats uh, and porpoises are, <laughs> are just, you know, stronger than kaiju. So that's good to know. Uh, if, ever, if ever a kaiju shows up in my home city, I, I will find some bats or porpoises and uh, defeat them that way. So that's, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, the humans in this film felt like they were, felt like they should have been in another film they were trying and whatever that other film was it it would have been a good film but it certainly <laughs> certainly didn't really mesh with it being a kaiju film boy was this this film was it's hard to it's hard to review because the film doesn't know what it wants to be and so that's my review of this this film uh I'd say it's one giant squid, a giant turtle, and a giant crab, out out of out of kaiju. That's that's my <laughs> review. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys break this film down because it's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, but apart from that, that's that's all I got to say. So see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> I think waffles hits the nail right on the head there because there is that hotel storyline, which they just throw out the window. And forget about? Yeah, I mean, as soon as the spy kind of, like, admits, yeah, I was here to steal hotel plans, like, halfway through the movie, mm -hmm. it's just completely dropped. You could make a totally separate cool movie about people actually trying to establish a hotel on a kaiju-infested island. Yeah. This movie doesn't go in that direction. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're completely spot on, Waffles. This just feels like a whole lot of things um, jumbled together. The majority of which I really liked, but I can see how it really doesn't work for a lot of other people. Like, show this to any non-retro movie, non-kaiju fan. 
Yeah. This must seem so weird. Yeah, 100%. Um, Waffles as well just kicked off um, kind of phase two, version two yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, he kind of rebranded. He rebranded his podcast, which is now called Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. And you might hear a couple of familiar voices in the latest episode Ooh. where me and Micah got to play a few roles. So check out Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. I've chucked the link in the show notes. This episode has gone on for a long time. Thank you guys for sitting with us. How did we talk about Space and Bebop all movies for this long? Let's get off Sergio Island, man. <laughs> Let's leave. Let's leave the <laughs> island. Let's go somewhere else. And we've got a really, 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 really fun movie to get back to next time. Oh my god! With a really, really fun guest. Now, you heard Kev's review before. And we're getting him on the show next episode. Kev from Austin Danger Podcast yeah. from Ammonite Movie Night. He is jumping on with us next episode to talk about Godzilla versus Hedera. Yes. This is a big one. I mean, Hedera, the giant smog monster, is one of the most recognizable Godzilla villains. And I think this movie is a bit of an artsy movie. Uh, new Ooh. director. Wes Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> directed by Wes Anderson. No, directed by Yoshimitsu Bano. Um, but what do we have to look forward to? An ever-evolving alien life form arrives on a comet from the dark gaseous nebula and proceeds to consume pollution. Spewing mists of sulfuric acid and corrosive sludge, neither humanity nor Godzilla may be able to defeat this toxic menace. This sounds good. Now, and we have oh seen gosh. some references to like smog and pollution being the real enemy before. Yeah. Most recently in Almost's Attack. Yeah, you're right. Now it is actually the real villain. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. We can't wait to talk about this in a bye week with you guys. But that's all for Podzilla. That's us. Yeah, play us out, Jasha. Hit us with that techno theme from the start of this movie. <laughs> okay, let's go. That's been Podzilla with your hosts, Jasha and Micah Drake. Follow along on our socials at PodzillaPod and jump to our Discord via the link in the show notes. Huge thank you to Cassie Celine who did our podcast art and Degora9898 who did our episode thumbnail. Let's go. And just a disclaimer that any musical sound effects used in this episode belong entirely to the Toho Company. See you guys next episode.